Do you have a child who struggles in school, but you don't know what to do? Well, there are lots of solutions and you need to know about them. Hi, I'm Dr. Roseanne, and I'm a mental health trailblazer. And join me as we have real conversations about real solutions to kids' problems. And today we're talking about how to help your neurodivergent child do better in school. There's lots of ways to support their uniqueness, and sometimes we just don't know about them. So let's dive in and talk about some of these amazing brain hacks. So today, we're going to be talking about academic success strategies for the neurodivergent child. So whether you have a child with ADHD, autism, or maybe they have mental health issues, anxiety, depression, OCD, you want to stay tuned because we all need success strategies. And if you don't know about me, for 22 years, I did neuropsych testing. Please don't call me because I'm not doing it anymore. And I went into schools and supported kids in schools. I've also been a consultant many times for private schools, still do speaking in private schools. But there's a lot of ways that we can help the neurodivergent brain. And I love to share my brain hacks, especially because as a mom of two kids, with clinical issues and one with dyslexia. It's all about how do we put that environment in just the right way so that our rock stars can rock. And it's not always easy and there's not always a clear path. You know, I've got my magic wand always with me because everyone thinks I have a magic wand, but you are the magic wand and it requires a lot of consistency. And let's talk about that. So first of all, number one, structure and routine. You're going to hear me talk a lot about this. Why is structure and routine important? So when you have a brain that learns differently, they need a different level of reinforcement, number one. But we want to scaffold things so they don't have to think about everyday kind of... They don't have to think about thinking. They don't have to think, oh, is this the time for homework? Should I be doing it like this? As much as we can put structure and routine, it actually frees the brain of nonsense tasks so they can get to higher level tasks. And they don't think just because a kid has a high IQ, they're still processing. So when you struggle to process, whether it's memory, whether it's attention, whatever's going on, that takes away from the brain's power to do the task. So what does that look like? Let's talk about even at home or even within the classroom, right? Why do some kids do so much better in a classroom? Yeah, okay, because they're with trained teachers, right? But they have a structure and routine. They know in math, they have to have this folder. They have to have that. Why can't we replicate that at home? And at home, you absolutely can do that with having structure in order around time, tasks, even chores. Please make sure your kids are doing chores. It's a great way for them to feel good about themselves. Everything from setting the table. We, we have our kids take the garbage out. Everything. Why do we have kids for if we can't get some cheap or free labor? It's those kids, right? I'm joking, but I'm not. So structure and routine is important. So let's talk about individualized learning plans. Those are IEPs. I'm not saying that IEPs are not 504 accommodation plans. They are different, but kids need support in school. When you're a neurodivergent learner, 
you are going to, at least the teacher's got to be made aware of it. This may be a building plan. This may be a 504, but IEPs are about what does your child need to help them actually learn? What interventions, what direct instruction? So special education is about direct instruction. Building plans and 504 plans are about what accommodations do they need? And these can be really helpful for academic success. So many parents will say to me, well, I'm so afraid of my child getting labeled. Well, yeah, they do have to have a label, but it also means that because of that label, they're able to get things. Whether it's autism or ADHD, it's important. So one of my all-time favorite brain hacks for learning is multi-sensory teaching approaches. And there are a few of them. When we teach to how our kids learn best, their brain can soak it in, take it in at a completely different level. You have to realize that your child may learn completely different than you. Maybe you're neurodivergent. A lot of my parents are neurodivergent and they have a child with their own neurodivergence. Uh, Sometimes the same, sometimes different. Sometimes it makes parenting extra fun. But in all seriousness, our kids do have tend to benefit from multi-sensory techniques. That means kinesthetic, visual, as well as auditory. Most neurodivergents learn best with kinesthetic. That's movement. So actually doing something, role-playing, acting it out, catching the ball when you're doing your math. Whatever you can do to get somebody to move, right? Maybe it's While they're reading their book, they're walking, they're reciting it out loud, and then they tend to be more visual and the auditory tends to be the weakest channel. So using those approaches at home, you don't need to be a teacher. You don't need to be an occupational therapist. Experiment with your child. Say, wow, I'm going to give this to him visually. I'm going to give this to her auditorily. I'm going to have them do movement. And let's see which one sticks. Now, if you have a dyslexic like I do, you know that entire reading programs are built on multisensory because we know that that brain learns best in a multisensory approach. Certainly, it's its own thing, but regular movement breaks. I can't even say how important this is. So many people come to me annoyed that their kid needs to move, even at dinner, right? Oh, they must sit. Well, if they're standing at the table and eating and they're doing a great job, what's the problem? At my house, Grandpa Tony gets mad that Max sits on one leg. And I was like, Dad, he's here. He's sitting. What's the big deal? And he's like, it's not proper. I was like, okay, Dad. Well, it's our house, you know, and every once in a while he gets ramped up. That's when you're 85 years old, you can say what you want. But regular movement breaks, what does that look like? So when your kid gets home is the most optimal time for a movement break. You don't want your kid to come from, if they're on the bus, they're probably on their device. You don't want them to go to their device and then do their homework. You want them moving. And why? The brain gets oxygen. The frontal lobes get oxygen. We detoxify. We move. It has been shown clinically that exercise improves attention. Now, obviously, in the perfect world, it would be vigorous exercise, at least a moderate level of exercise. That would be great. But even movement breaks while you're learning every 15 to 20 minutes. If you're using things like a sensory seat wedge that allows kids to move and stimulate, that lasts about 20 minutes. 
and then you need to switch to something else, take a break from it in terms of stimulating the brain. So sensory techniques, whether you're doing a trampoline, whatever is going on is going to only last about 20 minutes before you have to switch and do something else, right? A little, a little insider hack of somebody's giving me a shout out for my brain hacks. We all need brain hacks. These are good for adults too. Hey parents, looking to turn those stressful days into moments of calm focus? Well, that's exactly why I created Neurotastic Multimag Brain Formula. It's the brain booster that helps kids and parents stay centered and sharp. It's not magic, it's science, and it's just a spoonful away. Bring the balance with Neurotastic. Go to drrosanne.com forward slash magnesium to get special subscribe and save discounts with, of course, amazing gifts. DrRoseanne.com forward slash magnesium. Explicit teaching. Okay. One of the greatest faults that I see parents make in terms of like frustration for them, frustration for kids is not being explicit. An IQ is just a number and you may have really serious deficits that require instruction. And it can be in any area. It can be in any area that impacts learning. It can be social. It can be an attention. And what most parents forget is that we have to make the implicit explicit. Yeah, okay, maybe your kid knows everything about World War II history, but they're not memorizing their math facts or they're missing something to do with reading comprehension because we're not making the implicit explicit or an instruction is missed, right? Sometimes like I love when I get rubrics from teachers because I'm like, oh, this is what they want. It's always surprising what's on there, actually. It can be really helpful. So go over a rubric, go over things. Be very explicit. It's incredibly helpful. And it doesn't just have to be academic, you all. This can be like you expect your kid to make their bed every day. Well, have you told them? Is there a structure and routine around it? So help them. They need the reinforcement. Let's talk about supporting social emotional learning. I feel that we miss this more than anything. Academics, school setting isn't just about learning in reading, writing, and math. Is also social. A lot of times there can be supports available at school and you might need to do some stuff at home. And as much as we forget about this, we also are forgetting about why we're doing this. And it's to help them for the future. It's also to help them right now. We all need good friends. We all need to feel accepted And whatever age your child is, it's never too late to support social emotional learning. Sometimes those neurodevelopmental issues really get in the way and make that investment of time and resources to continue this. It's incredibly, incredibly useful on so many levels. And if you don't have good social emotional learning, you're going to struggle in the job. And how about having relationships? So It's something that is neglected and it's an opportunity to help them in so many ways. And kids that don't have good social connections often struggle in academic settings. Collaborative team approach. So it's not always easy. I have been, as you know, working with, you know, kids for three decades. And sometimes, you know, for those 22 years I was doing those evals. Wow. 
I went in there like a pit bull. Anybody who's ever been in a meeting with me, I've made many, many staff members cry in a meeting on purpose <laughs> to get support for a kid. Now, not all my meetings were like that. Some of my meetings were like absolutely fantastic. It all started with a collaborative team approach. And how does it start? It starts with you. What kind of communication are you having with the teacher? Are you giving the teacher at the beginning of the year? It's not too late. You know, here are facts to know about Amy. You know, here's how she learns best. Here are things we would love some help with and having that, right? So starting an open dialogue, don't assume your teacher is going to come to you. They have a case manager. They probably are if they're already getting an IEP, if they're on an IEP or they have a 504, but really trying to be collaborative as much as possible. When I had those meetings where it was rough, it was because there wasn't collaborative. It sort of became an us against them and it can happen on either side. So I don't want to place blame. Obviously, when I was called in with an attorney or whatnot, typically an attorney, it was a situation where the collaboration had broken down and communication had broken down. But there are many things that you can do to increase that. Oh, so here's somebody saying something. I'm going to take some comments, but uh, didn't realize how important movement breaks are. Absolutely. And even if you want to go one level up, when your kid wakes up, one of the things you can do is you can try to get them in front of a window. Getting natural light in the morning helps their brain, helps their circadian rhythm set. And, you know, movement doesn't have to be an hour. It can be 10 minutes. It could be whatever it is. Stretching, all different different types of activity are useful in a lot of ways from detoxification to getting that oxygen to the frontal lobes and helping you be stimulated. It's one of those things that I think we all miss. I have started doing meetings while walking on my treadmill because I had it on my exercise bike, but then I would stop pedaling, but you can't stop on the treadmill. So there are creative ways to help our kids learn, to help them have academic success. There is no one route. Whatever route you pick, be consistent. Don't do something for a week and think the miracle is going to happen. You really need that constancy. So. I'm glad you're here. If you are looking for more support, you know we're launching our Neurotastic Multimag Brain Formula. You can go to drrosanne.com forward slash magnesium. I couldn't be more excited about it. It is the first of its kind magnesium and it's our first supplement and it's really designed specifically for the brain. It has the most bioavailable forms of magnesium and it's that are clinically shown to improve attention reduce impulsivity, improve cognitive functioning, and of course, improve sleep. So I can't wait. Uh, We beta tested it on neurodivergent kids. I actually had autistics taste it, defensive kids. So it's launching in just a few weeks. So shoot me some comments. Let me know what you think. What are your questions you have about how to help your child be more successful? And let me know the impact of this on you, however you're listening. So somebody's asking a question I'm going to answer about how to get the public schools to incorporate more recess. Well, um, that is a very, very tricky topic because... They have the district policies on recess, but ask. So your child, if they're on an IEP, 
is entitled to an individual education plan. And just to understand, schools always want to say, here's what we have available and here's what you can have. An individualized education plan, when you're in a meeting, you're supposed to talk about the needs and then talk about the programming. So if you can get a professional like me or even another somebody at school, have them put in writing that they need extra recess or movement breaks. So I certainly have gotten extra PE time, particularly for kids that required adaptive PE, ask and provide some data, right? You can't just say, I want this. What's the data? Can you get a professional to do that? Should my graduating senior keep his IEP records and even though he's going right into the workforce? Yes, for sure, because you may need a 504 and you're going to want some documentation. Keep those records. Absolutely. They may change their mind and want to go to college. And just so you know, college is like an evaluation that's two to three years old. Most. There are some exceptions to that, but a lot of times they want a fresh evaluation. And please know that I don't think everybody should go to college. And I hope your kid is having a great workforce experience for sure. But I hope these academic success strategies got you thinking. They're good for every age. And as I said, including adults. And stay tuned for the rest of our Parenting Lifeline series as we talk about some of the things that I know people need the most help with. So always remember, it's going to be okay when you take one step towards natural solutions. And you did that today. Parenting is hard and there are so many ups and downs. Just know that no matter how much it feels like school is hard for your kid, it's going to be okay when you start thinking about how can I support their brain? How can I support their giftedness? And today you learned about strategies that help you to do that. You just need to pick one and get started. You need the right solution to help your child be successful at home, school, and life. And that's why I've created the Solution Matcher. Go to drrosanne.com forward slash help, D-R-R-O-S-E-A-N-N forward slash help to get the right solution for where you're at.